Hey, today is a uh, ooh, an exciting program for you. You don't want to miss. I begin with um, the story of Philip Haney. Uh, he is he was a friend of mine and somebody that uh, officials are now saying committed suicide. I'm not sure. I believe that, but we'll see. I'll tell you why he was America's Winter Soldier and the loss uh, that it really means to America and to you and our freedom coming up in today's podcast. Also, Bernie's uh, running a campaign, a revolution is coming. And this is not a revolution towards Sweden. As you will find out, I go through a few of the signs as we prepare for this special coming out on Wednesday on Blaze TV uh, on Bernie Sanders and the revolutionary fires that his staff is behind. Also, the Dow was down because of the coronavirus. We have a really important coronavirus update all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello, America. Welcome to it warn you I'm not in a good mood today and the reason why I warn you is because that's when Stu usually says oh it's gonna be a great show <laughs> yeah, it's usually the best shows <laughs> when you are really in a terrible mood yeah it's like inversely you proportional happy. to the quality of the show yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because you're, you're just bound to say something that will oh I can't tell you how <laughs> I can't tell you how much I'm about to say uh today mm-hmm well, I mean, look, there's a lot to talk about. You have, uh, first of all, the coronavirus, which we did a special on, what was it, last week, seems is now in Italy, it's now in uh, South Korea in a big way, spreading all over the globe in a, in a way that has people talking about pandemics, uh, right after you did a whole special on what happens if it does turn into one. We had Bernie Sanders, a socialist. I mean, we've never in our entire lifetimes, at any point in American history, been closer to having a socialist be president of the United States. And I mean an overt, out-of-the-closet socialist. Someone who actually has been a long-time devotee to that particular philosophy. And here we are, the guy who is this close to winning the nomination of one of the two parties. And then, you know, I mean, in tragic uh, news, which is shocking to all of us, I mean, a guy who's been on the show many times and uh, who was, gave us a lot of background information on, on a lot of things from inside the Obama administration, um, you know, Philip Haney, which uh, tragedy here, we, uh, he is reportedly killed himself. Uh, don't believe is, it. Yeah, you really don't. I, I don't believe it. it. I mean, it could be. It could be. Of course. Yeah, I know. But, it, but, it's, but I just... I want to tell you about Philip Haney now, uh, and this is something that I've never really talked about. I've had him on the show before, and I've introduced him as a great patriot, but, uh, you know, and a DHS whistleblower, et cetera, et cetera. But I never went into Philip and what I know about Philip because Philip was a was an important uh, source for not only me, but others. And uh, my relationship began with Philip t- oh, 10 years ago. And uh, he, is, he is a guy who I didn't even want to meet for a while because I just didn't want to know anything about him because I was afraid I would slip and say something and it would put him in danger. 
he was probably the number one enemy of the Obama administration, I think, inside uh, the Department of Homeland Security. This is the guy who outed the Obama administration for telling DHS to purge everything on the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, this is a guy who, uh, until I check with attorneys, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> Uh, all the things that he was involved in with us. Um, but you need to know America lost a, a, a profound patriot. <sighs> Philip was 66 years old. He was one of the founding members of DHS. He loved the Constitution and America. If we had federal employees that had a quarter of his understanding of what this country was, what it meant, and how close we were on, at all times of losing freedoms, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. I have been in situations where, with Philip to where He knew they were on to him. And the things that he uh, got for us uh, it makes me really angry today that we have a whistleblower, Eric Caramella who everyone on the left is trying to protect. Who we know who he is. We know who he is. And they're saying that his life is in danger. And no, it's not. No, it's not. I want Caramella to testify. I want him to speak. He's not in danger. He's in danger from the left. Because his usefulness is over now. And no one ever spoke about Philip Haney. No one. The media ignored him. No one was looking out for him. He's one of the most honorable men I've ever met. I have so wanted to introduce... You to him. And tell you about him. For a decade. He has been on this show. But you didn't really meet the Filipini that I knew. A guy who was willing to put himself in danger. A guy who knew what he was dealing with knew that he could be killed or knew that he would be disappeared or knew that he would go to prison. And he was absolutely unafraid. And this is one reason why I know why I so strongly feel he didn't kill himself. Phil and I sat in my office a few years ago. 
and we spoke about God and we spoke about the country and that few people had the opportunity to do what he did and that he felt very alone but he wasn't the man knew who he was knew what time it was and knew who God was he was a deeply spiritual man and a man who understood history and understood his place in it. No man who speaks like Philip Haney did goes off and kills himself. I'd like to ask the police that found his body and deemed it a suicide if he had a thumb drive around his neck I hadn't seen Phil for probably a year maybe two years but I'd say hi to him I'd hug him And I'd slap him on the chest. He knew what that meant. I was feeling the thumb drive. Because there were documents that he kept around his neck. I only know what a few of them were. Wonder if that thumb drive was found on the body. Who are we turning into America? The Washington Examiner has verified that he was getting married in about a month. Doesn't sound like something a suicidal guy plans. He was in the middle and excited about writing another book, exposing more things. I know what suicide is, and I know how how you can feel alone and have normal depression. And then something happens chemically, and it, it takes over your life, and it causes you to do things that are insane. And maybe, maybe Philip went through that, but I, there's no indication that I see from any of his friends or family that has come out at this point. I find this so extraordinary and so disheartening. I believe Philip was working on something that somebody who is working for us right now, uh, doing some investigation, is working on as well.
this individual reached out to me three weeks ago and said, I'm in trouble. I'm getting real death threats, the kind of death threats that come quietly that nobody picks up on and nobody is, nobody in the press even cares. That's another friend of mine who I know is not suicidal. There are... There are... Summer Patriots. And there are winter soldiers. The world has far too many summer Patriots. <laughs> the left has almost all summer Patriots. They don't even know what socialism is. They don't even know what they're fighting for. They have no idea. No idea what the Muslim Brotherhood is. They fail. America has a few winter soldiers. Those who in the dead of night in the coldest of times all alone with your feet bandaged and bloodied in valley forge they continue to move on my friend philip haney was a winter soldier and america you have no idea the asset, the ally, and the friend of freedom that was lost on a California highway, officials tell us by his own hand, this weekend. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I want to show you a couple of uh, things, talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, if you happen to be watching The Blaze today, thank you for that. Um, uh, And we'll talk about the new app that came out. You have to reset your username and password, not your username, but your password. You have to reset your password to be able to use the new app. Uh, and get all the data uh, if android hasn't been updated yet we're waiting for it at any minute it was supposed to be updated yesterday as was roku we don't know why they didn't update those um, but uh, it should be updated you have commenting now on all the shows live commenting it's really a great app uh, and uh, we'll have more on that a little later but if you happen to be watching, I want to show you, and Stu, I'd like you to describe what uh, this is. This is from the L.A. Times from yesterday. This was their cover art story 
for the Democratic primary and the choices uh, that you have in front of you. Can you just describe what you can see? I mean, it's difficult. I'm on a monitor kind of far away to see detail, but it just looks like it looks like sort of like almost a communist. Oh, why would you say that? It's just red, white and green. And it has like the the rays of light and it it does look like a communist piece of art. It is a communist piece of art. The California flag, it just is a red star on the flag. That's it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the red mountains in the background, it is communist propaganda art. Okay. Anybody thinks that this isn't going in the direction of communism, you are not paying attention. Let me play the latest Bernie Sanders ad and just listen to it. The most important part is the last line. And I have to read that because it's only text. Here it is. I just want to say one of my favorite writers growing up was a man named James Baldwin. And I remember Baldwin saying, you asked my father to wait, my brother to wait, my uncle to wait. How long must I wait on freedom? How long must I wait on rights and equality and liberty? And as a black child, that resonated with me because I knew I had been denied and I personalized that. But as I grew, I started to understand poor white people have been denied. Women have been denied. Gays and lesbians, transgender people been denied. Immigrant children been denied. Everybody outside of that 1% has been denied. So I want you to take a few seconds to look to your left and look to your right. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the time is now. There are more of us. We're stronger. We will wait no longer. The time is now. When you go to that booth next year, I need you to carry in that booth the memory of this room. Black, white, straight, gay, men, female. We are together. We are united. Our time is right now. We will not wait four more years. We will not wait 20 more years. We will not wait two more Bernard Sanders will be the next president of the United States of America. Thank you. Here's the tagline. The revolution is coming. I want you to understand. America, they mean it. On Wednesday, on the Wednesday night special, I'm going to show you the people who are surrounding Bernie Sanders and the death of that is surrounding Bernie Sanders. If you don't believe me that you should pay attention and you need to talk to your children and uh, and the Democratic friends who are reasonable, anyone who is thinking about this, 
You are dealing with something entirely different. Let me show you. This is from Salon.com. Why Bernie Sanders is just the beginning of an American turned to the left. I'm going to read most of this article because it is breathtaking. A new socialist movement is cohering in the United States, thanks in large part to the popular (laughs) class politics of Bernie Sanders. But as that movement grows and progresses, it is bound to run into dangerous obstacles and thorny contradictions. The new U.S. socialist movement is without a single line or monolithic political position, and that is a strength in the movement. A country like the United States has both a well-developed capitalist state beholden to the capitalist class and armed to the teeth and mechanisms for the democratic participation in that state that allow people to exercise some measure of control over their representatives. Even though their choices are limited, their representatives are bought off by their rich and the capitalist class holds the entire system hostage with a threat of devastating economic retaliation if things don't go their way. The system does have some basic democratic elements that the citizens largely affirm and occasionally participate in. This, says the revolutionary, is a tricky situation to navigate. If the democratic capitalist state were less developed, it might be possible to convince people to simply storm the gates, tear up the old rules, and start fresh in a socialist society. This is what they tried to do in Russia in 1917. The state was weak, and after centuries of autocratic rule, it didn't have much legitimacy in the eyes of most Russians. So revolutionaries could get their popular support for scrapping it And starting over. Does any of this sound familiar so far? Does any of this sound like a playbook that is happening? Does any of it? The United States is hardly the icon icon of democracy. And socialists must push further to democratize elements of the state... This is everything our founders were against. Democracies always fail and turn into dictatorships. Always. You have to have a representative government because of passions of people. Even if people are unhappy about much of our corrupt political system today, it does hold us to a, a strong degree of legitimacy in most people's minds. Despite Republicans' continuous efforts to restrict the franchise, most people can vote, and they see the results of elections as basically lawful and valid. Why do you think that right now there is such a push to make us believe that you can't count on the vote. Anybody notice that in Nevada for the first time, there was another exit poll question. Do you think your vote's going to be counted properly? Only 85% said yes. Okay. They're doing everything they can to pull this apart. Did you hear that, um, that Donald Trump, that he's already receiving help from the Russians? Did you hear that? 
They're already targeting this election, and they're trying to make make sure that Donald Trump wins. That was the story this weekend. What you probably didn't hear was that the national security advisor said, I don't know where that information came from. I haven't seen the details of that information. It was leaked from Adam Schiff's committee. Now, they may have had a secret briefing that the National Security Advisor wasn't aware of. This is a coordinated effort. A coordinated effort to get you to not believe in any part of the system. Despite Republicans' continued efforts, blah, blah, blah. Uh, people often rightfully feel dejected and cynical about the U.S. electoral politics, but they don't consider the system so illegitimate that they're willing to risk their lives to destroy it anytime soon. So they're not Americans are not willing to go into a hot revolution anytime soon because they're not disenfranchised enough from the system. Mass numbers of people I'm reading from Salon.com. Mass numbers of people are going to treat elections as the main arena for their political frustrations and aspirations, at least for the time being. These are objective conditions over which we have no control. The question we must face is whether we join them in the democratic sphere, giving socialist and class struggle character to fights playing out in the electoral arena, or sit those fights out and miss the opportunity to engage with people by getting into the ring themselves. So in other words, yeah, we're all revolutionaries. We want to overthrow the entire system. We don't want to be capitalist or anything like that. We are looking at a Marxist state. Now, the choice has been, do we sit it out and wait for the revolution? Or do we get involved in the electoral politics? The Democratic road strategy does not assume that we'll simply stack up reforms until we look up one day and have socialism. Social change is more complicated than that. Happening, as it does, in fits and starts, often with brief periods of great advance and then long dry spells in between. Capitalists won't let us slowly but surely inch our way towards a new society. At some point, probably around the time of our advances, they'll start decisively challenging, as we start to decisively challenge their control over industry and their profits, they're going to try to tear us down by any means necessary. So if you're thinking that it's a hopeful change, they are going to challenge uh, the control of industry and the profits of industry. But reforms do have a major role in building socialism, not just for the purpose of spreading our message. By engaging in mass democratic politics and electing politicians faithful to our movement, who can spearhead the fight for real reform, including democratizing the current state, we can tip the balance of power in favor of the working class. The, that balance is decidedly not tipped in our favor today. The power of the capitalist class is now so great that it can punish cities, states, and countries. Those working class movements have successfully won gains for workers against bosses. 
But bosses can just fire people or move their companies. To stop this race to the bottom cycle, undercutting workers' power and lay the groundwork for true revolutionary change, we must erode the power of the capitalist class. We can accomplish that, for example, by imposing capital controls. Here's where it becomes really important for America to pay attention because they are talking about the collapse of capitalism. This is not about nursery school. This is about the collapse, uh, the collapse of capitalism. I'll show you how they're going to do it, what they're working on right now. All of this is a roadmap, and all they're already deep on the road. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. All right, let me give you... uh... Let me give you the updated stats and the latest on coronavirus. Uh, Today, 79,524 total confirmed infected cases. That's globally about 2,600 confirmed deaths. Serious or critical cases stands at about 11,000. The total case fatality rate is 3.3. Now, that's really high. Um, And we think that it's artificially high because of the large numbers of undiagnosed patients, patients who get sick and then recover at home. Most researchers are saying that the the true case fatality rate is between one and one point five. That's still 10 times higher than the regular seasonal flu. But three point three is a frightening number. Uh, and uh, one is a little bit more literally livable um, at this point, and we think that's what it really is. South Korea is now reporting 833 confirmed cases with eight dead. Italy, it has become a wildfire in Italy, now reporting 215 cases and four dead. The U.S., 35 confirmed cases, no dead. The the fatality rate outside of mainland China is about 1%, except Iran. Times, the Times of Israel is reporting now 50 dead from coronavirus in just one city of Qom, far higher than the official death toll reported by the WHO. Officially, Iran is rejecting that claim. Iran has 61 confirmed cases with 12 dead official. Now that makes their official fatality rate at 19.6. That's 17 times higher than the non-Chinese case fatality rate for the rest of the globe. So something's not right. Iran a report by Al Jazeera. One doctor died last week from COVID-19. Um, it was in a rural providen- uh, province, and the doctor had worked at least f- for two weeks in a local hospital without quarantine of patients. 
He may have caught it as early as four weeks ago. Um, Iran has closed all schools, all theaters, all football matches, all social gatherings in 14 provinces. Pakistan, Turkey, Kuwait have closed their borders to Iran. The global supply chain is now starting to be impacted. The global supply chain logistics company, PwC, is estimating the total GDP dollar impact of COVID-19 will be $570 billion. That's 10 times greater than SARS was. Global stocks down by an average of 2.2 as of this morning. We are down 2.9 currently at 900 900 points lost on the Dow just today. There was a prediction yesterday that the Dow Jones would be off by 2%. We're already at 3. The WHO definition of pandemic... A pandemic is defined as an epidemic disease occurring worldwide over a very wide area, crossing international boundaries, and uh, usually affecting a large number of people. We are now in a pandemic. Let me give you some other things to look at. A serious mistake, according to the WHO in Rome, was made by not quarantining people who arrived uh, in Italy from China. Within two weeks, we'll know if we're facing an epidemic, but early signs aren't promising. As of this morning, Austria has ceased all trains and buses going to and from Italy, just as a precautionary measure. They now have 11 towns, over 58,000 people quarantined. 11 towns in Italy have been shut down. Armed forces and police forces have been mobilized in northern Italy to form what Milan's mayor Giuseppe Sala called a health belt of roadblocks preventing people from entering or leaving the quarantine zone. This is bizarre, is it not? I mean, never in my lifetime, I've done this for 42 years, something like that, never in my lifetime have I read anything like this. I've been doing this since I was 13 years old. Never have I read anything like this. Um, Anybody who um, crosses the quarantine zone, roadblocks are manned with army and police personnel armed with submachine guns. Those violating the roadblocks will be subject to three months in prison. Meanwhile, meet 350,000 shipping containers have now been removed from the global supply chain because they are locked in a Chinese port. 200,000 of those shipping containers would have been going back and forth to American ports, including 48,000 refrigerated containers. It looks like 1.9 million tons of food is now rotting in the Chinese ports. Now, here's where it gets dicey, as if that's not bad enough. Let me tell you what's going on inside of China. Over 85% of small businesses, which employs 80% of China's population, is expected to run out of cash within the next three weeks to the next three months. A third expect the cash to be all gone in three weeks. Now, 
Think about that in America. If a third of all small businesses were out of cash in the next three weeks so they could not pay their bills or their employees, what would happen to America? Should this happen, not only will the Chinese economy collapse, but a $40 trillion financial system will collapse right along with it. Uh, Last week, they were supposed to report back to work, but less than a third of the employees returned, many because they couldn't make it back to work because of the roadblocks, the trains not working, people not showing up in transportation so they couldn't get there. Um, The smaller employees account for 99.8 of registered companies in China. According to the latest official statistics, they contribute more than 60% of gross domestic product uh, and for the government, more than 50% of the tax revenue. This is the beating heart of the Chinese economy. They say the small business, you know, league or whatever it is in China, uh, they're now saying that the outbreak is likely to cut the full year revenue from most small companies and uh, and most of the average citizens of China by 50%. Can you imagine what America would vote for if by November we were all facing a 50% cut and all of our small businesses were going out of business? I mean, we resist it better than a lot of the world, but I mean, in that situation, anyone, you could vote for anything. Anyone could vote for anything in that situation. So they're saying now that self-rescue uh, is not enough. The government needs to lend help. This in, this in particular is one place that I can understand, not, not TARP, not bailing out the banks. No, they, they made a mistake. They made their choice, and you bailed them out. This is an actual crisis. And if we were in this crisis, this is what the government safety net does. Now, they're trying to get the government of China to pay everybody's electricity bills, to suspend all mortgage payments for a three-month period, do anything they can, but that all travels the food chain, and it eventually hits the banks. We just did, Citibank, or one of the big banks here, just went in with, uh, let's see if I can find it, uh, went in with their big banks and is offering them money to be able to help fund these businesses but the problem is uh, it's the loans are going to be defaulted on. And when those loans are defaulted on, that trickles down and affects all of us. According to the official Communist Party newspaper, the Global Times, quoting, instead of waiting for fiscal bailouts, Beijing has no choice but to cut spending and unleash austerity, a move that will have catastrophic consequences for china a tax reduction reduction doesn't help if you don't have income the president should today not only be make 
uh, coronavirus a priority here in the United States so we do not make the, the uh, mistakes of other countries. Uh, but he also needs to cut the spending of the federal government, even if it's for a year. From here on out, we're cutting some things with the federal government spending. Do the things the Fed warned just, what, last month that they will not be able to pump money into the system if we have a significant downturn because the federal government is spending too much money. If they can't pay back the bonds, then no banks lend. Now, here's the real problem. They could fix this the communist way, which is say, go to work or else. But by going to work, it causes more people to be sick and will make things even worse for the Chinese government. This looks like it will be coming here in America. If you run a business, please consider what do you do? Please talk to your family. I've never seen this in Europe. I've never seen, I've never read those headlines ever before in my life. We're going to be experiencing it here, I fear. What does it mean? By the way, if you've booked a trip on our cruise, uh, we have some information, I think, coming out today. I've already gone over it, and we are way on top of everything. Uh, so we will give you all of that information. Um, but, I mean, everything is kind of up in the air. The thing we have to pray for is an early summer. What did the groundhog say? If an early summer comes, that kills the virus. Uh, and that's the best thing that could happen is summer. When summer comes, it will kill the virus. It will allow us a little time to prepare for next flu season. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.